May 20... Please, be still. May 22nd, 2011. It's a Watt from Pedro show.
show uh sunny sunday in our town brother matter how are you everything is good uh we started off the show with uh john coltrane of course um all or nothing all or nothing at all with the qua- classic quartet and then uh, after that we heard gecko harakaze by wakine and uh well we know what geckos are yeah. Right? Yeah, Gecko commercial lizard. That's right. <laughs> Guy who makes money off the commercial. And then uh, Haru's Spring and Kaze is Wind. Uh-huh. So Spring Wind. And, and speaking of someone who's uh, anxious for the Spring Wind to come to her parts of the country, our, our guest uh, for the show, Brother Matt, Karen Schomer, upstate New York. Karen, hello. Welcome. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. Uh, explain to them what part of upstate New York you're in. Um, I'm I'm near Albany. I'm between Albany and the Berkshires. It's about 150 miles north of 
New York City. And it's a beautiful area. It's still very rural and lots of farms and lots of um, real progressive uh, farming people. Um, it's, a, it's a cool area. And then it's got all kinds of weird Dutch history. You know, the Dutch were here. And there's old Dutch houses from the 1600s. Yep. Okay, it's so not that's Pedro, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, and what did you tell them about your weather? Well, it's just been a really gray, wet spring here in uh, upstate New York. And I guess... You know, the, the response to that might be, well, you know, you're in this very gray, chilly, wet part of the country, and what do you expect? But, you know, it, it has been, it's been pretty gloomy. So I don't know if you can do anything about it, Mike. <laughs> well, summertime, it'll get in the good and sweaty, right? <laughs> yeah. So I know you're look, looking forward to Sometimes. that humidity. I, I think it's just, I think it's kind of a crapshoot what's going to happen with, with the weather, right? Everything's kind of topsy-turvy with the weather. Uh, for me, weather is really important Just, when I'm on tour because in the boat, I have to roll through different systems that I'm not so accustomed to in spoiled Southern California place. <laughs> Brother Matt's lived his whole life. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I get cognizant more of the weather. Although sometimes we do get a little more rain than we can handle. Mm -hmm. Which is well, still nothing compared to the other parts. But we really didn't have you on the show for weather, though. <laughs> you're, I know, you're a I music know. lady. That's right, yeah. You're a music Because anybody can talk about that. Well, we right. can talk about that. It's all right. But that's not the reason why I had you on the show. I, I okay. wanted you on the show because you're a music lady. You've had music uh, a lot of your life. Although, you're not a music maker. No, no, I've, I've never, I, I, well, okay, I played drums on two tracks, uh, a guy named Ted Prudhomme. Uh, Ted, I don't think Ted was in the band Fuck, but I think his brother might have been in the band Fuck. Remember the band Fuck? Uh, yeah. Anybody? Matt? Mike? Mm -hmm. No? Okay. Yeah, so I said yeah. I, I played, I played drums on a session. You know, speaking of music, uh, last show I played all this stuff from the tour that uh, people gave me after the gig and stuff. Uh, I didn't get to play at all. And uh, so can we play a little bit right now? We'll, 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 we'll pick back up on this uh, topic. I'd, I'd love to hear what you got when you were on tour. Okay.
show uh, that was some music uh, from stuff people gave me we started off with turn up your hair by the molecules then uh, I can't remember where they were from mm. <laughs> we go through this again. I can't remember because <laughs> it's been two weeks uh. now, so I can't remember <laughs> but anyway they're beautiful and everybody keep letting your freak flag fly with your tunage we heard Berlin by fast piece of furniture you know what? I remember this cat. What he was excited about was the drummer man was the minor threat drummer. Oh. Okay. So maybe Fast it's a DC band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we heard Four Letter Word by Ancient River. That's kind of like that band Fuck. Four Letter Word. Yeah. I remember those guys. <laughs> okay, uh... Uh, back to what Tim, we were speaking Tim about. That's the brother. Yeah, that's the brother. Tim. The brother is more than a brother. Sending it out to Tim. <laughs> Sending it right to you, Tim. So, okay, uh, you, you leave high school. 
Or did, did or did you do the zine thing? You you weren't aware of zines, right? I wasn't yet. You know when I uh, so then I went to college and I was sort of I was sort of on the literary magazine thing for a couple of years and then I got into college radio and this was eighty four. Oh, this was oh. Like this yeah, back up a little bit. Back up a little bit. So okay, it wasn't just uh, writing about music. You wanted to be a writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I wanted to be a writer even before I wanted to write about music. That yeah. was like eighth grade that I got very serious about that. What got you on that? So, um, you know, I think a teacher encouraged me. I was in junior high school, and I wrote a piece, and I have this great teacher, and she took me aside and, and really, like, gave me an A or whatever and told me that she thought my writing was really good, and... Um, I, I think it was just that feeling of encouragement, like really meant a lot, and and that feeling of, you know, I can do something that helps me. I think it's not just stand out, but I mean, I'm sure it's it's similar to being a musician because this is that kind of age where you're starting to figure out who you are. So, you know, it's not just like I can stand out, but it's like this is kind of who I am. Like I feel good doing this. Well, writing so, and music are both forms of expression, so I would call yeah. them uh, part of the arts. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I you think could have been a poet, really you could have been a painter, you know. Yeah. So, but you, but it was this teacher who said you were good at writing, so why don't you pursue that? So this is why yeah. you went that way. Yeah, definitely. So this is uh, something good about public school program. Uh, Your brother teachers. Matt's a teacher. Teachers are the best. Teachers don't get enough credit. Right, both my um, sisters but you know, like what, what you were saying over the break when we were we were chatting a little bit, you know, you were saying that um, everybody kind of has their own path into music, and this is and just I, a I was, theory of mine. I don't know if it's for real. Well, I, I was. I think that's really interesting because. I always felt very much like my perspective on music and my perspective on rock and roll was really defined by when I came along and, and the influence, you know, like what was available to me at that formative time. So my whole experience of rock history has to come from this point of coming of age in the 80s. And that's just so dramatically different than somebody who came of age in the 60s or who's coming of age now. I, 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 so I, I think it's kind of interesting. It really shapes. Yeah, your but you know what? I've story. talked to a lot of people who came of age of music in the '80s, and they ain't like you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but you know what? You don't have to fret much because that's really not a bad thing. <laughs> okay. The, the right. different path is an okay thing, and in fact. Why I like people like this on my show, it affirms to listeners what we were speaking about on the during the break. It's okay for them to have kind of a different path. Of course, there's a lot of common ground. Like, did you have one of them funny haircuts the other ladies did in the 80s? I never had a funny haircut. Well, see, you didn't share that with them. (laughs) See, so everybody's got kind of a different path. I did have Joey Ramone hair for a while in college, though. All right. It's just really, really long and like. But I think his haircut goes back to seventies. I don't think that's an eighties thing. Yeah. Anyway, so point (laughs) is, uh, you're a writer. You want to be a writer, then you want to write about music. You do a little bit of this in high school. 
you want to interview people so you can get to know mu music people because up to this point you haven't really met musicians. That's right. That's right. So you're going to college, and now what do you do? Do you go to the radio? Did you find out about the college radio station there? Yeah, I joined my college radio station, which was WCWM at the College of William and Mary in Virginia. And I think and, it's the third you know, oldest university. Second, second. I think. Hmm. I thought After it was uh, Yale Harvard. I think it's I think it's Harvard William and Mary Yale. Oh, but okay. I I don't I. I could, could be wrong. I'm a dumb fuck. researcher. Check on that. Anyway, uh, back to the point. Ah. So you, you joined the radio <laughs> station. What, did you get a show? Yeah, I got a show. And, and radio was just, I think, you know, different than, you know, other kinds of writing that I was doing or just different than writing, which seemed like it was very challenging to write well. Radio was just like you just had to show up and you just had to learn how to push a couple of buttons and you were doing it. And um, so, you know, they what about a playlist? Did you have to come up with songs? And... Yeah, you know, well, they had this shelf. I mean, I'll never forget it. it I, you know, I, I walked into this studio and it was back in the days when people still like smoked and drank and spilled stuff all over the console and it was like shag carpeting and it was all vinyl. So the, the little studio room at the college had just walls and walls of vinyl, and all the spines were all worn out and, like, frayed. And then there was this shelf that was, like, the new stuff. And I just remember, you know, because up until that point, all, all I'd really done was read Rolling Stone. And I thought I kind of knew a lot about it, actually. And then I saw this shelf, and it was like I had never heard of any of these bands and not only that, the whole presentation was so radically different from, like, the commercial music that I'd been hearing. Like, these cool, like, handmade sleeves and, like, thick, you know, like, really cool artwork and crazy song titles. Take the Skinheads Bowling. And, well, did you have and, your uh, own and, show? You know, the Minutemen. I remember, like, that was, I remember seeing the Minutemen for the did, first did, time. Uh, did you have your own show? Yeah. Now, what was that like, where you had to pick songs? You said you'd never seen these records before, so you're picking songs. You're not playing the classic rock stuff that you heard on the radio back home, right? You're you know, I, I, played, I probably still played a little of that, but okay. not, not like less and less, the more... Well, you were finding I, out about some new records, right? Definitely, absolutely. Like, kind of like having my mind blown, like all the time. And meanwhile, you're taking writing courses... No, I never really studied writing. Well, then what did you study at women, William and Mary? Uh, philosophy. Philosophy. So what yeah. made you turn to that? The English classes were really boring, and they, they would, you know, you would read a book and you would come in and the professor would tell you what to think about it. And then you would write a paper and he would want you to write, like, what had already been decided the book was about. And then I, I went to a philosophy, it was the same kind of thing, I went to some philosophy class, and at the end of it, the guy was like, you want to really do more of this. And, and I learned far more about writing through philosophy, because I, I studied a lot, of, a lot of what interested me in philosophy had to do with language, and, and what language is. And so did you, did you entertain <laughs> thoughts of being a philosopher? No, I, 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 I. No, but I did. I did really sh 
shock and disappoint my father, who was paying for my education when I came home and said I'm going to be a philosophy major. Yeah. He wanted you to be a writer? He wanted me to be an accountant. Oh. So either way you would have disappointed him. Yeah. <laughs> Did you tell him about the radio show? Yeah, he didn't like my shoes either. What about the haircut? Yeah, it wasn't big Look, look, that look, either. Karen. There comes a point in our life where we kind of have to go toe-to-toe with Pop a little bit. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. we got to be our own person, so it's okay. He, he, he kind of knows that, too. Okay, further on the story, uh, you, you probably started going to gigs. I did, absolutely. I went, to, uh, I went to see orchestral maneuver. You know, I was going along with people for a long time. Like, you people were who were experienced at the station, and they were doing interviews, so I would go along with them. So some of the stuff that I went along for it was like orchestral maneuvers in the dark, which wasn't really my kind of thing. But um, but it it was it was great because was it um, new wave? <laughs> yeah, new wave like synthesizer. Two guys. They, and I went to see him at the nine thirty club. Ah. it was just two guys, synthesizers. That's okay. Um, but, uh, okay. But then, um, so yeah, I, was, I started going to gigs, and then I started going to see bands that I really loved, like the Dream Syndicate and the Replacements and the DBs. You know, this was still kind of like more like a little more on the pop side than some of the punk stuff that was going on. But yeah, so we, so that, and then you know, of course, Mike. I know you and I have talked about this. Then, then I went to see REM. In, in Richmond, and the Minutemen were opening up for REM. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> it, in fact, it was at a um, Shriner Hall. Is that is that, remember? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It was, I think called the Morsh Theater or something like this. And uh, yeah. it, it was a Shriner place, and of course, uh, it's a Masonic party in part, and they put a little Arab <laughs> decorate. But uh, I, and I remember this gig. Uh, uh, we're driving from it, and, and we're going down an alley, and Georgie says, look, I want you to slow down, but I don't want you to stop. So, thank you, Big Pipes. Yeah. Uh, so we come <laughs> down so the funny. alley, and he, the door goes open, and he pukes out the, the door, but there's a lady we didn't see hanging out her wash. But Georgie got his head back in enough time so he didn't, she didn't get sprayed. But, yeah, I remember that gig very well. I didn't remember seeing you there, but uh, well, you know, I was playing I, I like went, you were there. After, okay. <laughs> afterwards, there was like a little party at Rockets, the little club across oh, the Oh, yeah, street. I remember that. In fact, yeah, some of the R.E.M. guys was there. Yeah, the R.E.M. guys took us there. Yeah, and, and I ended up talking to Dee Boone for a while at the end of the night. And I, I, I don't remember if I, if I met you and talked to you, but I definitely talked to you. I Dee remember Boone. going to Rockets for sure. Yeah. And we were fucked yeah, up out of our head. I remember that. <laughs> We were Baracho, big time. But uh, that was an interesting tour for us. We didn't really know those guys before that, and then we got to know them, and they were beautiful. Uh, I remember us having to buy the record to see what they sounded like, because uh, we got asked to do this tour, and we didn't really know the band. So they turned out to be uh, incredible, beautiful people, and also very knowledgeable about music and all kinds of stuff. I recorded Last Poets at Pete Buck's. Pad. In fact, I just saw him in Texas. He was playing... With your friend Steve Wynn. He played, right, Wynn. He played like back-to-back with Steve Wynn, right, in the baseball project. He was a bass player, and uh, Steve Wynn's wife was a drummer, I think. 
That's right, Linda. Okay. So, anyway, so you're going to gigs, you're being tutored by the other people at the radio station. But you've got your own radio show, too. And, yeah. uh, what? It, and you're doing philosophy. Now, I know that you went back to writing, because I, in my conscious mind, I know you as a, as a writer. Yeah, I, about I, music. I I got I I got through college. You know, I got through college. I, I finished up at the college radio station, and and by then I discovered fanzines. And and by the time I got out of college, which was eighty seven, I was writing for a bunch of fanzines. And I also had a bunch of jobs, like at kind of mainstream publications. I was I was an intern at Rolling Stone in nineteen eighty six, and I ended and then. I, I worked at this sister publication to Rolling Stone, which was Us Magazine, like the celebrity magazine. And the, the reason that I went to work for Us Magazine, and this is really a true story, and it's... And I'm, oh, I, you I wouldn't lie to us on the show, like right? Complaining or negative or something, but they wouldn't hire women at Rolling Stone who wanted to be writers. They did not promote women. So and why would you read that? I, I had an itch. <laughs> you should have read Cream, you know, they had... I think Lisa Robinson had the New York uh, City uh, column there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I should have. Well, I I wrote... No, you can't change the past. Don't worry about it, Karen. Don't worry about it. We want the the record straight here so people can tell that, see, how your path was different? You went and worked for people that wouldn't hire woman writers. That's... That it was... It was... Truth be told. Truth be told. Yeah. So anyway, so and then I, but you know then what? I started you know what, Karen? jobs. Yeah, I was so. Karen, and Karen. then by about nineteen ninety, I was writing full time. Hold on a sec. I think it's it's time for some more music because I I got to think about it.
gentlemen for coming down to the show tonight. We'd like to thank you once again. Please exit to the rear right.
on We keep working on Trying to make a buck Without any luck at all
Watch the Pedro show. Hyphenated man. I'm trying to talk here, Karen. Watch from Pedro show. Uh, we just heard Medulla by Invisible Lines. Can't remember where they're from. R R R by John Wayne Pastor. Can't remember where they're from. <laughs> Tippy Toe by Masters of the Universe. Well, they're from some place in the universe. <laughs> Probably ruling it. <laughs> And then, In the Clouds by the Dirty Dishes. I do remember where they were from. Actually, by coincidence, I played them right before we went on tour. They oh. opened up for me in Cambridge, which isn't the England one. It's mm. the one on the other side of the Charles River in Massachusetts. Uh, May 22nd, 2011. It's the second hour of the Wild from Pedro show in uh you ain't going to believe this, but some days, some hours, are longer than others. And uh, I had to pull the cord eventually, though. So uh, that's why we're starting the second hour now. And you had no warning that the first hour was so over. In fact, it was seven and something minutes past that anyway. So uh, we'll be picking up the, the spiel uh, with our guest, Karen Schomer, in just this moment. Uh yeah, so I wanted to get back to this, because you're kind of quickly going through this, and it's kind of confusing me. You, you, you graduate as a philosophy major, you're writing for fanzines, uh, you, you intern for uh, a place that don't want woman rock writers, but you end up actually working for the sister celebrity publication, and then you say by 1990, you're writing full time. You want you want me to fill in all the little stops along the way? No. Did I get that part right? Yeah, you oh, got okay. all that right. Okay. Okay. By 1990, you're writing full time, and what do you write? Um. Philosophy. Well. Oh no 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 no! I never I no I I was um. Well, after I worked at Us Magazine for a year, and then I worked in a magazine called Seven Days, and that was a New York Weekly, and I started doing, you know, I just sort of built up. I started doing more and more writing, and then the so fanzine writing I was doing, which was sort of in my free, you know, in my off hours. Yeah, you know, well, the fanzines, obviously the fanzines brought you back to writing, right, from the philosophy world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never... Okay. You know, I, I really, uh, I never pursued anything like a career with philosophy. Yeah, I guess it that was, would be more along the lines of teacher or something, right? Watch out, brother. Man. You know, it, it, it was just, um, it, it was sort of like that liberal arts thing of just, you get to just learn. You know what I mean? I, I think. I, I didn't really think about it as a career. It just was sort of great stuff to be thinking about and very, like, kind of mind-bending. Nah. Go. You know, people say that, uh, you know that guy Matt Groening who invented The Simpsons, that show? Yeah. He, he was a philosophy major, and he says that philosophy majors either end up cartoonists or rock critics. So I, I think that was sort of a natural development. Really? What about Wittgenstein and, uh, and you know, <laughs> they might have majored Kierkegaard. in Kierkegaard. I mean, 
They might. You mean? Oh, you're saying the guys who end up philosophers never started as philosophers? I don't know. Oh, that's. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm just trying to make. I'm just trying to make. No, 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 no. I understand. I, I'm not trying to say like it was a waste or anything like this. Of course, <laughs> a college in a way is a way to get you ready to kind of make choices rather than the place where you made the choice. I think that's kind of a misconception. So I would say I would say that how philosophy prepared me was that philosophy really was about sort of thinking in a rigorous way, whereas a lot of the other stuff at college was about telling you what to think. And and but the the, the professors in the philosophy department were really about like making you think and thinking in a creative way. And so I think that was a really good uh, foundation for yeah. and you mentioned um, before being a writer and you, criticism. You, uh, and you mentioned before too. Sorry to interrupt you, but uh, you mentioned before that it's about language, so it's okay. Yeah, it's hard to discuss and philosophy I, without language. Yeah, but can you bend this screen? Because maybe if I saw her face, I wouldn't be talking over her like an asshole. Well, just pulled the cord out there. Moment, Karen. Uh oh. I felt disconnected for a minute. Yeah, well, he's he's got short leashes here. <laughs> you don't want to have. It was scary. Well, no, it's good not to have too long a leash because then you get your fucking leg caught in them. I understand why Brother Matt is <laughs> there. So now you can see me. What does today's T-shirt say? You don't like shirts with buttons, huh? I've got, today's t-shirt is a Vermont t-shirt. I've got a t-shirt from Vermont. Okay. So, so, you're, you're writing for these uh, publications, a very, kind of philosophical like us, and uh, what's it, seven days? You were chopping out on me a little there, Mike. Can you, can you say that again? Yeah, I think. You were writing for uh, uh, these publications, not so philosoph philosophical like uh, Us and uh, Seven Days. What was the other one called? Yeah, but you know, Us Magazine, as, as cheesy as it was, I learned a lot there. And actually one of the first, I, I you know, I was like 22 years old or something. And one of the people that I... They gave me the where are they now column, okay? I was this, like, kid, and I wanted to write, and so they had this, the back page of the magazine was where are they now, and you would sort of dig up some person, you know, and write a little piece about them, and for example, one of the people that I wrote about was Marianne Faithful, so I got to interview Marianne Faithful, I was like, you she's, know. You like, know she's touring right now, and you know who she's got on guitar? No. Brother Wayne Kramer. No, no kidding. <laughs> so there's your uh, latest installment of Where Are They Now? <laughs> She's still out there. Uh, yeah, that's happening. Yeah. She, she's um, a war right. horse. She did a, she did a great album a couple of years ago, too. Like Nick Cave was on it and PJ Harvey. And, but yeah, but uh, so, did this lead to music? You know, no, it was more like every now and then I was just lucky that something music 
related fell into my lap because that was I was very consumed with music and I I was living in Hoboken I was going out to Maxwell's um, going to clubs in New York I was going to CBGB's and all those clubs that were on the Lower East Side in the late 80s and so I was I was definitely getting a, a, an education um, and also at that time and and this kind of leads a little bit into the present but I was also really wanting to educate myself about rock history um so I was reading like Nick Tashas Unsung Heroes of Rock and Roll Peter Goralnik Sweet Soul Music Feel Like Going Home um Robert Palmer Deep Blues Crow Marcus Mystery Train you know I mean it was such a different time because there was so there was so much less access to information so you, you got information that was, you know, you, you could get it like out of a book or from the radio or whatever it was, but um, it wasn't like today where you can just get any, you know, you can look anything up on the internet in half a second. So I, I, was, I was really trying to learn about country music, blues, soul music, um, rockabilly, all, all these strains that um, fed into rock and roll.
plays out to play Their coiled trunks are spraying The night we watched the elephants swimming The night we watched the elephants swimming Oh, the grace and the beauty was brought to you and me On the plasma screen
here that I wanted to uh, educate Miss Karen with because she's doing the same with her radio show these days in upstate New York. Uh, we, st- we were supposed to start the second hour off with this, but we were so carried away with using this little bit of an hour compared to that long piece of an hour that I did not want to put a damper in the pamper. No kink in the hose. So we start off the running range, the go team. They just got done with tour. Elephant swimming, my Rachel dad. Odonoa Tombi by Ichi. Track Trip Trip. The TTT three-piece mix by Peach. <laughs> Fire Pong by Lucha Libre. You know what Lucha Libre means, right? Free. Something free. But lucha, fight. Ah. Actually, it's the Mexican slang for wrestling, uh-huh. but it means like free for all, huh? Free for all, uh-huh. right? When you have a free for all, right? Okay. And uh, big mistake by Electric Eel Shock. So there's some tunes for you to to learn on. I mean, I get educated by the cats who come to my gigs and send me stuff in the mail because. What's really remarkable now compared to the old days, uh, in my opinion, is how much uh, Americano things are to make music. So many people can be uh, just learning on drums and making recordings of it, uh, getting it to Watt and getting played on the Watt from Pedro show. Uh, I think this was a little more difficult in the older days, although the seeds were being sowed. You know, I, w- I will say that. 
nothing new is really under the sun, but uh, certain things come along to uh, to enable you if you, if you got the heart, if you got the fire. Now. Uh, you were chasing the writer. Were you thinking about paying the rent with writing? No, I, I, you know, I honestly really never, um, you know, I really just loved it. I did it because I loved it. I really was a fan. I was a very driven fan. I, I loved music and I felt that writing about it was just a way to spread the word. Um, so it was... It, so I was doing it for fanzines, you know, I sort of, I, I had magazine jobs and, you know, I was paying the rent by working as an editorial assistant at these magazines, but yeah. in my, in my free time, I was doing the writing, which was my passion. And, um, it just became sort of magical that I was able to start to do that full time. Like, um, by 1989, I got a job at spin so I was the record reviews editor at Spin for, I only lasted about six months there because um, Bob Guccione Jr. was running Spin. And it, it was it was really a pretty good magazine, but just not a very, um, <laughs> it, it, was, it was good. It was fine. Spin. It was kind of crazy. Yeah, but don't let, don't let that sidetrack your story. Yeah, so but, but by that time, so I guess what I'm saying is that by about 1989, I was pretty much doing music writing or, you know, working at a music magazine full time. So the two of them were kind of coming together. Oh. Yeah. So this was good then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was great. I was really happy. And uh, I, um, I, I was out one night, um... With uh, Nikki Sutton, you know Nikki Sutton. Mick Jagger told me never to drop names. Okay, well, so I was out with this friend of mine, and we were out all night. It was like because I, I know just, Nikki like, is, of course, of Swell Maps. Yeah, yeah. So we were, we, you know, just out like he was in town, and we were out drinking, and kind of, you know. And I remember stumbling into Spin Magazine. And sort of still like not really recovered from the night before, and there was a little post-it on my um, phone, and it said "Call John Perellis of the New York Times." And you know, I was basically still um, tripping, so I called him, and he was like, "Yeah, I've been reading your stuff, and I'd really like you to write for the New York Times." And and I hung up the phone, and I thought, like, that's anyway. It was just kind of funny. So that was my big break. That was when I started writing for the New York Times. Bigger break than spin. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so that's so that's pretty much it. So by then. No, I'm no, no, it's speaking. not it because I didn't meet you as a New York Times writer, Karen. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So. And I wrote for the New York Times from 1989 until 1994. And then in 1994, I went to work for Newsweek. That's when I got to meet you. Or maybe it was at Rockets. And I puked on you or something. (laughs) I'm really glad, though, that D. Boone got to talk with you. That's bitching. Well, I'm glad that I got to talk with D. Boone. Yeah. 
So that was a big, you know, that experience was very important to me. Like, and I like, I really enjoy talking about it. And in fact, I was just talking to a guy at this radio station that I work at and he was at the Norfolk show. Oh yeah. This guy that I just, you know, and he's like, so I, I saw the Minutemen and REM and, you know, and. Nor and smoke, nor drink. So, that made such, such I lived an impression there. was that the, the crowd treated you guys, didn't treat you guys well. And I, and I remember being very upset because even though I wasn't really that familiar, you know, I'd heard of the Minutemen, but I just remember being very upset that the crowd wasn't, like, more open. And, You're talking um, where, Norfolk or Richmond, or both? Well, he's, he had his experience in Norfolk, and yeah. I had the same experience in Richmond. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of that same experience all over. Come on, we were playing for Square Judge. But you know what? I have a lot of people come up to me who say the first time they saw me play was at that gig. Believe it or not. Yeah. You know how uh, peer pressure is very heavy on young people. You know, I, I couldn't blame any of the people in a way. Uh, a couple times... Mike Stipe would go and scold people when it was their turn to play for acting that way. And in a way, you know, I couldn't I couldn't be too hard on the, the, the people because, uh, I don't know, we actually had a lot worse, you know, piss and uh, spit and batteries. And actually it was kind of sissy bad behavior <laughs> compared to some of the brutal stuff we took. And on the other hand... I, I really think it's a product of, of, of peer pressure, and so I don't think it's a lot of individual choice. And and so what? If somebody doesn't like you at a gig, they should that should be their right. They're controlled in so many other parts of their lives. They don't need Watt telling them, who, hey, you're supposed to like my band. So the men and men were kind of conf- confrontational. Uh, we saw the situation as confrontational. It was Mersh, it was Square Johns. Uh, uh, we uh, there was other aspects of the racket that had nothing to do with the gig goers, like be, trying to be extorted for lights, for uh, moving gear. We were only getting paid econo anyway. They wanted twenty five bucks, twenty five here, twenty five there. It wasn't the band at all. It was part of the racket. There was a lot of pressures on the on the Minuteman, but uh, I still think it was a good opportunity for us. And you and your buddy in Norfolk got to see us. So in that way, the REM guys yeah. really helped us. You you wouldn't have believed some of the shit we went through on that tour. There was a gaffer tape put on the stage we weren't allowed to cross. It was called the Geek Line. Like, we were the motherfucking geeks. You know? Oh, uh, one time playing... Yeah, we, we, we heard the the REM playing some uh, Queens songs. So, oh, you, you're into Queens, we're into Queens, so we play some Queens. Uh, I get dressed down by some boss. Uh, you clear all covers with me. Uh, the record company would put our name on the post. There was all kinds of crap. So just because some square, you know, backward baseball hat, you know, it could be me. Yeah, that was... You know, with, right, with khaki right. shorts on or whatever. There was a lot more insidious hell, uh, I think, uh, out of that. And so your buddy shouldn't get too upset in a, in a way. I remember seeing Nels Klein hitting the head with a Nels Klein getting hit in the head with a sack full of dirt, you know, at a Primus gig. How do you think that made me feel, you know, Nels Klein, you know? But in a way, uh, 
Yeah, we don't want them all to be Nuremberg rallies. We don't want everybody happy always. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm interested in uh, what, what you brought to uh, uh, New York Times, what, what you brought to Newsweek. Now, because what these people did, they kind of did what REM did to us. They gave you a forum. You could speak to many people. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, one thing that I was thinking about in advance of, of coming on your show, and I don't know that this is interesting to you but you know i was thinking about the way music journalism is now versus the way it was and it's really not very long ago right we're talking like 15 years ago i was at newsweek from like 1994 to 1999 and you know so now it seems like most of the music writing is is on blogs right it's on the web it's like everybody's kind of got their own little forum right is that i think you know, that's like I think the New York Times is still respected. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't think it's quite the same, but maybe. You know, but anyway, so they're... So I don't think they should be the last word on anything, of course not, but I think they, they got some respect still. And I think you're right thing. about the, the internet. Maybe it levels it out for somebody who doesn't, isn't on that staff. They can have an opinion that's up there. As big as printing because you're sharing the same screen, right? Because a lot of yeah. people probably are reading the New York Times on the Internet. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, so I think working at a place like Newsweek, like the good thing was that you were part of this, like basically this institution, right, that had been yeah. around since 1933, yeah. and it was this sort of, like, lumbering behemoth of, of a news magazine, and um, so it had a lot of, um, it had, a, there, you know, there were just, you, you had to watch what you said, because they didn't always want you to say stuff if it didn't work with what they wanted Newsweek Ooh, to say. Oh, that's bad, right? So that was that's bad. <laughs> you didn't yeah. like that part, right? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> but you did get to pick some stories? Yeah, I got to, I, yeah, I got to pick some stories. I Did you I, pick mine? Yeah. Definitely. I did a piece, you know, like I wrote about John Spencer. I wrote about Dinosaur Jr. I, Giant Sand. I was definitely picking bands that I loved and trying to get them in there. You know, with you, it was, it helped that you had like Dave Grohl and Eddie Vedder on tour because the people at Newsweek, they, they didn't really know the Minutemen, but they're like, oh, Nirvana, you know, Pearl Jam, okay. You know, but to me that was like I'm gonna I'm gonna use that to just get you into into the magazine, right? Like that's just the hook to get them to say yes. You see what I'm saying? Pat Smear. <laughs> Karen, do you know I I saw them again a couple of weeks ago. Who? Pat Smear, Dave Grohl, Ed Vetter. Really? Are they are they all still in uh they're still in Food Fighters, huh? Not Ed, but they were all in Seattle, uh, unrelated reasons, and they came to my gig, and I got to play a couple tunes with a Stooges song and a, the Big Train. Cool. 
That's great. Yeah, just out of the blue. No practice. That's just nice. just come up and we did it again. And, uh, that's nice. You had Evan Dando on a show, right? No, that's back in your days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these days, I, when did I see Evan last? It's been a little while now. He had a, he was, that show that I saw you at, and he was dragging around a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, and some, and branches. <laughs> yeah, and some branches. branches coming out of it. That, that was at Tramps. Yep, that was at Tramps. Yeah, but that's back, that's 16 years ago. Now, this just happened a couple weeks ago. That's, that's great. That's yeah. really nice. <laughs> it was. It was a, a great catch. It was kind of their idea for the tour. It was their idea to here too. I came to town. They called me up. Hey, I want to see your opera. And Dave's here doing some stuff for, yeah, Foo Fighters. Uh-huh. And, uh, why don't we, when you get done playing, we go play them all, them songs we did. You know, Big Train, one of them. And I said, That's okay. Sorry. And then, uh, I stuck on the Stooges too because, uh, I don't know. But it was it was a good time to do. Were you ever? Uh, no, this might sound negative. Did, was, were you ever told to write about somebody? Oh yeah, yeah. And then finally, that's why I quit. You know why I quit? Was because they asked me to write about Andrea Bocelli. He was like the blind pop music tenor or something. You know. And that's when I quit. I said I'm I'm leaving. You know, because I was like, you know, I still, I never really was anybody but who I am. And the kind of music that I cared about, I was always pretty obvious. Like, this is, you know. And it seemed like for a while that really worked because the kind of music I was very passionate about was very popular. Like, with when Nirvana became big. So the fact that I had come out of that college radio scene was kind of perfect because to these big places like Newsweek or the New York Times... You know, I was sort of like coming out of that same scene. Oh, uh, what would they call it? They'd call it a demo. Uh, they'd call it a demographic. Yeah, yeah. But then after a while, they just got tired of it, and they just wanted me to write about the Spice Girls and stuff like that. <laughs> That's and yeah. Now I live in upstate New York. Yeah, yeah, I understand. You know what? Uh, Brother Matt loves music. Brother Matt came in through college radio. Brother Matt ended up working for Merce Radio. Brother Matt ended up hating radio. <laughs> okay? But Brother Matt still loves music. And uh, we're going to do the spin cycle right now. You know what this is about? This is where he gets to let his freak flag fly. <laughs> go, Matt. Cool. Here we go.
brother Matt. Yeah. Much respect. Thank what you. What was on Thank your you. mind? Well, I was kind of getting stoked for some lightning in a bottle this weekend. I'm going to be catching a lot of cool new bitchin' tunes, camping out at a wild party down behind the Orange Curtain this weekend for oh, Memorial see. Day. So kind of getting a little primed up for that, mainly and in digging into some old stuff too. Mix it up a little bit. Speaking of traveling, I arrived here for today's show via the Valley in yeah, Sino. You got to see Matoko out Matoko there. Matoko Honda with awesome. the Wadada Leo Smith, which is her mentor. How oh, cool. Yeah, here's a trippy music story. Uh, trained as a little girl to do piano, you know, maybe Tiger Mom kind of thing. And uh, maybe... Yeah. Make you practice so much that you end up hating piano when you become a woman. Uh, she wants to learn English, so ah, I should go learn it somewhere in the middle of the U.S. Geographically, she finds a little town in Kansas. Okay, here's the middle. I'm going to go here. Then uh, she goes to Cal Arts for uh, uh, fine art, right? The master's. And Wadada Leo Smith, the trumpet player, avant-garde, makes her fall in love with the piano again. So all those years of, you know, fuck this shit because I was made to do it. Now ah, I can make this my own. And and uh, I got to see, uh, yeah, the student and the teacher together doing improvisation. There was two sets. It was in a living room. Wow. Yeah, all these people came. This lady opened up her pad. This lady had pictures on her bulkhead of, with the signatures, you know, John Coltrane, Charlie oh, wow. Parker, Thelonious Monk. Oh, you would not believe it. Man. Horace Tapscott. Yeah, Tommy Flanagan. I mean, I was just looking at this and like, when her name was Mimi. She's an older lady. And what, what, a, what a believer in music. You know, not... Oh, cool. Not just wearing it on the shirt at the party, man. I mean, having it in her pad. Wow. It was well worth the drive yeah, to the awesome. valley. <laughs> and, uh, well, hell, we're at the end of the second hour. May 22nd, 2011, Watt from Peter Shumara with you, Brother Matt, and our guest. Cool. Karen. Hold Hi. tight for hour three. Hi. Yeah. May 22nd, 2011, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. Oh 
Why for Pedro Show, start off the third hour with something brand new from Thurston Moore. In Silver Rain with a Paper Key. That's produced by uh, Mr. Beck. Then we heard something new from Boris. Attention, please. What the, does all this feel? Much different. And then Superstition by Disappears. Do you know Disappears, Karen? No, don't this know is, Disappears. This is a band that Steve Shelley's playing with. Oh, no kidding. In fact, him and the Disappears are playing with Thurston Moore. They're, they're sharing a oh, bill yeah. in Belgium next week. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's, so, that's kind of far from me. Yeah, I know, but they're they're playing together, but not... Because if you know anything about Thurston's other two solo records, Steve Shelley was a drummer. I, I used to be Steve's neighbor. Right, in Hoboken. Yeah. Steve and I were neighbors. I remember... One time, yeah, I was at that pad. I think I puked wild turkey on your couch. <laughs> is it true? Yeah, that is true. That was the night that your band was held up. They yeah. were late to Maxwell's, and and that was very stressful. Yeah. As I recall. Yeah, I was much relieved when the gig was over. And I was uh, very animated. I remember talking up a blue streak at your pad. It was much crazy talk. A little bourbon fuel. <laughs> I was talking very fast and loud, right? Yeah. That's I kind of remember, remember that at Maxwell's. And then I just, uh, it was at Maxwell. Well, I remember at your pad later on. It was like continued on. And then it was out. It was with Nels Klein, right? Yeah. Yeah, Nels was there. That's right. It was the Black yeah. Gang. It was the last uh -huh. tour of the first opera. Uh -huh. And Bob Lee was on the drums. God. I don't think Bob stayed with us, though. I think it was just nope. you and Nels that stayed at the apartment. Yeah, because uh, Bob Lee's from Lambertsville, not too wow. far from there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, wow. That was 1998. Yeah. That's pretty wild. And what year did Ball Hog or Tugboat come out? 96? 95. 95. Yeah. So not too far. And I remember when I'd come into uh, New York City, I would try to make trip to Newsweek building. That's right. Did you visit the Newsweek building? I visited you there a few times. That's funny. Yeah. Well, the memory's fucked up. Anyway, just, just pick it up on our spiel about music writing. I just remember driving in my little car, in my little tiny car. Okay. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> no, no. So when you quit that job at Newsweek, you stopped writing about music for uh, magazines and newspapers. I, I, kind of on and off when I when I quit Newsweek, I I was working on my book. Yeah, you went it on. Took me a really long Actually, time we to were now it. coming to the beginning of the show because we started with you writing that book. Yeah. So now we've come up I, to I those did, times. I did all those interviews. I, I took a leave of absence from Newsweek, and I did most of the research for that book. And then things got too weird at Newsweek, and I decided to quit and just work on the book full time. But then I got pregnant, and I had a baby. And actually, my daughter was born on January 1st, 2000, at, at 3.41 a.m. So, but I definitely... Why 2K book? She was the Y2K yeah. bug. <laughs> she was. She was the Millennium. Oh, movie. speaking of which, uh, Y2K and scares like this, we didn't die. Right, we're it's here. It's Sunday. I, 
We're still here, Thank Karen. Yeah. Brother Matt. Bonus time. Either Bonus time. Maybe. Some people think that just all the Christians are going to get, I don't know, <laughs> right? Because it's the rapture, right? Maybe we just got left behind. you got to have your card be a member of the I, club. I think the Christians are in disagreement. Some people were calling that man, Mr. Camping, uh, some bad words. I would just Very say unchristian. I would just say incorrect. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was watching uh, the the heads in the truck stops on tour. Those stickers were up there. What tripped me out was like Family Radio too. The, the, mm. the sponsor of this was Family Radio. <laughs> I guess he owns a bunch of radio stations. But so you would see this thing about the end of the world, and then Family Radio. And, yeah. Whoa, okay. <laughs> Oh, and it was on some billboards, but a lot of, I saw a lot of stickers in the heads at truck stops. So, oh, it, it's man. okay. It's you're okay. Out, out canvassing. Uh, but anyway, we come back around, and now you're just, it, it, it led up to your 50s book. Yeah, well that, uh, yeah, so, I, I was trying to be be a parent and write freelance and write the book all at the same time and I finally figured out that I I couldn't write the book I couldn't do all that so I stopped freelancing for a while and then the book finally the book didn't come out until 2006 yeah so I I started freelancing again but I've never really done as much of it as I used to because what sort of happened was after after 2006 when that book came out is when the the business started to really change, so there there isn't really the racket. Remember what just, Elvis said? Elvis said, "I wish it was a business." <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, so but the way you so got—I don't really do that much music writing anymore. No, but the way you can stay connected with music was now your new radio show. Yeah, I'm doing a radio show now, and and this. This is a pretty amazing thing. A, a, a bunch of people who actually have their roots in pirate radio. It's it's called WGXC, and it's it streams live on the web. So Out of what town? Here at uh, WGXC.org. Yeah, but out of what town? Um, and and uh, it's it's a thirty-three hundred watt. Uh, full power radio station in the Hudson Valley, non-commercial radio station. Well, you, what, out of what town is it from, Karen? Uh, Hudson, Catskill, and Acre. Yeah, but it's, what's the name of the town? In three different towns. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, the license is in Acre, where the program director and his wife have something in Acre, New York, called Wave Farm. And Wave Farm is like a sonic sculpture park. And it's a they're building a study center for transmission arts. And, um, but they also, so there's like two kind of very progressive, like almost radical things that went into the start of this radio station. One was that there's this whole connection to transmission arts and the other is pirate radio. That's, those are the sort of the foundation, like the, where the background of the people who started the station. So, this guy, who's the program director, he had a, a station in Brooklyn in the 90s called Free 103.9. Oh, but he started in was, Tampa, right? Florida. He started at a pirate station in Tampa, and then actually he left that station, and right after he left, there was like a SWAT bust of three <laughs> stations in Tampa, and this is sort of like famous in the no, history. No, I remember of, it. Uh, I remember it. Radio. You remember? Yeah, big time, because I was working 
for the Low Power FM movement, and we knew all about the, those uh, bus. Okay, so he was at 98X, I think it's called? Actually, those bus, you know, they were yeah. kind of uh, National Association of Broadcasters. Really? They're the ones who, like, pushed for that. Oh, yeah, these people are interfering with our stations and this and that. Well, Tom, Tom had left not long, long, not long before that, so he was lucky. And, and the really weird thing is that, there, you know, this, this low-power bill just passed in Congress? That's right. And they put something in that bill to say that if you had a history in pirate radio that you can't have a low-power station. Yeah, it's disgusting. But, but get this, Tom... Can, can can be on the license for WGXC because it's a full power station. And the rules for having a full power station, this is, this is according to what he told me, go back to the 1930s and haven't been rewritten. So Tom is able to be involved even though he has this background in pirate radio. So he was in Tampa and then he was in New York and Free 103.9, I believe they built their own transmitter and every weekend they would give it to a different group of artists in a different neighborhood in Brooklyn. And for the weekend, those artists would broadcast, you know, to this, to whatever, they had a sense of like a 10 block radius or however far the transmitter would work. And the other crazy thing that they did was they did these events called tune-ins. And a tune-in was... They would get a bunch of artists into a room, and each one would be playing into, like, a, you know, into a feed, so that you, if you walked into the room, you didn't hear anything. And so each of the different artists would be broadcast. They would everybody who came into the room would get a radio and headphones, and they could hear a different artist on a different channel. And so as a, the audience members would be walking around and you could tune in like, and Thurston, I think, was part of one of these. <clears throat> there was one that happened at the kitchen and I think the New York Times reviewed it. And so this is kind of where these people are coming from and they, they got in and they got this um, license to start a community radio station. And they're... It's, you know, they're really into the idea of local media and having people be in charge of their own local media. Are you guys still there? No, you guys, you're talking three different buildings. So it's yeah, like three different got, towns? Studios, yeah. Okay, so the main studio where I do my show is in Hudson, New York. That's a, that's a town on the river, on the water, on the Hudson River, uh, about two hours north of New York. And then right across the river in Catskill, they just this weekend opened a new, um, another studio in Catskill. And then Tom and Galen out in Acre are building this, you know, they've got Wave Farm and their study center, and they've got a studio that's going to be up and running in Acre. So there's going to be three different studios. But they're all broadcasting on the same frequency. Yep, all on the same frequency, yeah, okay. so people will be able to sort of like bounce in and out of different studios. Yeah, they're like satellite studios, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, okay. and part of the reason that they do that is because they've got a work-for-trade deal with the landlord in the Hudson studio, and if anything kind of goes south with that deal, they, they need to have a backup of another studio, Plan so they've B. got, they're building a studio on their own property. Understood, understood. Uh, That's great. It well, sounds great. It's like 
amazing. Um, it's it's all pretty amazing, and they they do this very broad range of programming. It's really about serving the local community. So they've got like agriculture programming, and well, it's probably uh, uh, each DJ is probably in charge of their own show, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 Everybody, yeah, and there's there's people doing really really far out stuff, um, very like you know a lot of psychedelia, a lot of like present day psychedelic stuff, and there's another guy who does a show that's only 1969, and this guy has just a phenomenal archive of music. He calls himself the Magic Stranger, and so there's just really amazing. You know, it's it doesn't really feel like you're in the middle of anywhere you kind of feel like you're in the middle of nowhere but there's just all these incredibly cool people with with sort of ideals and great ideas and just doing crazy stuff it's a little bit like you know i feel like it's kind of like a college radio station for grown-ups everybody's running amok would you ever uh, aware of wbai in new york yeah yeah definitely do you know about pacifica yeah, and and some of the um, because we have a station here themselves. called KPFK, but the the mother station was KPFA in Berkeley. Okay, yeah. And it started around the Korean War time. Wow. Here, I'll tell you more about it. Uh, we'll play some more music. Here. Gdje je sad ekipa koja nikad nije znala 
Gde je sad ekipa, zabava i šala Rešiš ako misliš da sam srca neka Savršena, sjajna, kazna tebe čeka I uzavu se nadaš, ova priča nema kraj Jer...
From Pedro Show, our last music for this show. Uh, start off with uh, Koya, one of my favorite bass players. Cool. Bitchin' dude. Uh, his band, Disciplina Kichma, very famous Balkans band from the 80s. It's still going now, 30 years, 30 plus years. This was Slopam uh, Tilo Yasam Sna. That's the tough thing about radio. It's, it's a tough day. thing about other people's languages. <laughs> or the tough thing about me being no, ya, ignorant. Yasam Piam means I'm drunk. Yeah, T.C. Malikovno yeah. is like you <laughs> little <laughs> piece of shit. Yeah. I know that one. <laughs> okay, four and four by four. Yeah. And then Born Again, Working Class Hole by The Dwarves. That's brand new. Black uh, flowed that ah. to me. And then The Ballad of Bad Whiskey by Boston Spaceships. Do you know who Boston Spaceships are? Yeah, that's Yet another that's Pollard, Pollard band. <laughs> I love that guy. 
He's prolific, huh? And then finally we had Drowning the Baffle Gab by Sigoti, who are on tour right now in southern Italy. Uh, end. End. Karen, it's so great that you uh, fell in with these people that want to really take radio where it can go. Yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah. They're, they're a very inspiring bunch. There's a lot of really... Amy Goodman um, came up to do a benefit. Wow. Yeah. My mother's hero is Amy, uh, Amy Goodman. I was telling you on the break, she made me go by the firehouse where she does the show. She just loves that lady to death. And, yeah, uh, um, well, they, they broadcast uh, Democracy Now!, that's part of the regular programming, and they also broadcast Al Jazeera, the, the English Al Jazeera is on for an hour, like several days a week, in fact, my show is right after Al Jazeera. Well, will you uh, make and sure to check out uh, any possibility, or, or like you said, they might already be broadcasting ZBS.org. I'm going to look into it, because they do a lot of radio theater, and they, they are very much in touch with the fringe of of what's pop you know transmission arts and they're they're very very well meatball fulton uh, goes way back in that area he goes back 40 years yeah i'm i'm betting i'm gonna ask i'm gonna ask but i'm betting that they're on it but if they're not they'll love it so uh we talked about your musical journey are you happy where it's ended up <laughs> um yeah, I like... Um, you want to do drums again? <sighs> no, I don't really want to play drums again. I, I, I'm really a very... Um, I'm very focused on writing. I'm very happy to be a writer. Pretty much when people... You know, like my daughter sometimes says to me, Mom, if you could do anything, like what would you do? And I, I always say I, I would be a writer. That's all I've ever wanted to do. So... Um, I'm, I don't write about music so much, but I'm always writing, and that's, I'm very happy with that. So music you get to play on your show. Yeah. And people, uh, you can tell them where to look on the net? Yeah, um, the station is w, it's www.wgxc.org, and there's a live stream. And there's links to Free 103.9, which was that... Um, that pirate station in Brooklyn is still sort of a parent entity to WGXC, and they have this whole transmission archive that's linked to WGXC's website. So anybody who's interested in learning more about transmission arts, which is artists using the airwaves as a, an, an artistic medium, yeah. so you, you can find out more about that. On but Karen, what about your show? And my show is um, every Wednesday from noon to two. And there's archives too. If you go into the archive, and you gotta you tell us the name of your show, Karen. Oh, it's the Shomer Show. It's the Shomer Show. Yeah. That's S C H O E M E R, people, and go there uh, to the station with the difficult letters. What are they? W C. I know that's W east of the Mississippi okay, River. Okay, hit the spell check. <laughs> What is it? W W G X C, which stands W-G-X-C. for Queen and Columbia Counties. W G X C. W G X C. I'm trying to say it where you don't speak. W G X C. Listen to the Shomer Show. Listen to all what all those other intense people are trying to do. And everybody, uh, 
Well, thank you, Brother Matt, for always your certainly, essential aid. Certainly, your bed. thank you. Ms. Karen, thank you for Wait, being I our say, guest. Can I say something? Okay. Uh, thank you so much for having me on your show. It's really nice, and thank you so much for, for helping to promote WGXC, which is a really cool project. And um, just thank you so much for um, talking and, uh, and including me in what you do, which is, is something that I've always loved, you and the stuff that you do. So thank you. Likewise, like I'm all uh, red in the face, <laughs> embarrassed. It's been the May, but I love you, Karen. May 22nd, 2000, love. Watch from Pedro show. Keep your powder dry. Yeah.